All right, Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. And in this episode number 13, I have with me none other than Halima Amina, also known as Halima Speaks. And she is a public speaker. She's spoken on stages before, on TV, and also a coach on mental health. And the reason why I wanted to bring her on and why I wanted to share her story with you and her insights with you is because Halima is someone who's also been through struggles with mental health herself and has has been able to overcome them in a beautiful way. And I want her to share her story with you and her insights with you so that we can all as entrepreneurs, as Muslims, benefit from these stories and from these insights and really use them to become better as entrepreneurs and as people and really help those around us and help ourselves. So today I'm super excited to dive into this topic with her and really just share her story with you guys and let her get to know you guys. So Halima, welcome to this podcast. I'm so happy that you joined us today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Alhamdulillah, it's definitely exciting and the honor and pleasure is ours. And Halima, we start every single episode in the same way, which is we want the person to kind of share their background on how they became an entrepreneur. Because this is the Muslim Entrepreneur Podcast, people love to hear the backstories behind it. And I know your story is a very unique one. So can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to become a mental health coach, to speak about this topic, to become an advocate on this topic? What was the journey that you went through that got you to where you are today? The journey is a very long one. <laughs> um, I had experience, I've had a bit of a, I'd say dramatic life um, since I was a kid. I didn't come from the best background. So I experienced a lot of different traumas um, throughout my life. So like spread it out. It obviously resulted in me having a lot of uh, severe mental health issues, like from okay. early on. So I had depression, um, I had anxiety, like a, a few different forms, PTSD, uh, and obviously I was self-harming by the age of, by the age of 14. So wow. there was a lot that was going on like in my head that I didn't understand. And everything that I had like gone through, everything that I'd experienced, it resulted in me trying to take my own life about four times. Wow. Um, The final time was when I was 24, just after my 24th birthday, and I was sectioned. It was the first time I'd gone through with it. So I was sectioned, I was in hospital. I came out of hospital and the care system that had been put in place for me was terrible. Okay. So the the way that the so-called professionals were supposed to handle me, um, they didn't, you know, the way that they tried to to take care of me, it just seemed like they had no training. They didn't know how to be, treat somebody or speak to somebody that had the issues that I had. And in fact, instead of making me better, it was making me worse. So wow. what I decided to do was just do it on my own. I thought if I'm going to get better, I'm not going to do it with anybody else's help. Like it's, it's going to come from me. So I disappeared. I said goodbye to everybody. I disappeared. And I started to focus on my own recovery. I structured my own recovery. And I started to document it because I I'm, I find writing really therapeutic. So okay. I used to do it a lot when I was a kid. And now with social media, I thought, okay, maybe I could do this a bit differently. So I just started documenting things, putting up a few posts here and there. And before you know it, I started to get messages from people and um, saying that I'd, you know, inspired them or they were really um, happy and they were grateful for something that I posted because it helped them in some way, shape or form or inspired them or motivated them or anything of the sort. And when it started to happen regularly, I thought to myself, do you know what? There's something going on here. Like yeah. clearly there's something that I know that Mm -hmm. people are benefiting from and like I could really do something with this and it never like I never intended for it to be a business it was just something I was doing because 
I was passionate about it and I was having my own breakthroughs and I was getting better myself and I was just sharing my breakthroughs with people. Um, And before I knew it, I got invited onto um, Sky News, which is like one of the biggest news platforms here in in the UK. Um, Once I went onto that and I saw the responses I got from there, then I was like, okay, like I can, I could really do something with this now. So since then it's just literally been mainly um, raising a lot of awareness uh, educating people, public speaking, but then now in the past um, six to seven months, I've been turning it into an actual business, um, and obviously recently just released my first ebook, and you know, inshallah, many more different inshallah. services and products to come. Definitely, hundred percent, and it's really amazing to hear that story. And I thank you for giving us kind of the gist of it, because I know there's so much more details in there. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who are interested in knowing all the details and nitty gritty, she actually has an amazing interview on Sky News. It's on her website that we'll link in the comments later, guys. So make sure to check it out. So Halima, in this story and in this journey that you went through, you mentioned that the first place that you turned was to the institutions that were in place before you decided, hey, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. You decided, let me let me kind of give this a shot and see what's out there, what's available for people like myself who are struggling with it. I think if we rewind even a little bit more, what was the point where you realized, I think there's a problem here and I think I need to take a step to fix it? Because a lot of people sometimes, they might think, hey, I'm just, you know, this is just like a, a one-day thing. I might just be wake. I kind of woke up on the wrong side of bed kind of thing or it'll I'll get, I'll get over it. It's just a few negative thoughts or a few negative experiences. How did you pinpoint that maybe this is, a more serious problem that needs to be taken care of? What was that point that got you there? Well, to be honest, I think deep down for a long time, I knew that there was something wrong. But mm-hmm. being in the, the state that I was, um, I was very resistant to admitting it. I think that's one of the biggest obstacles um, between us and our own recovery. It's actually admitting that there's a problem in the first place. So yeah. for me, it was like there were so many signs there so many unhealthy patterns that were happening in my life, like toxic Mm. behaviors, like everything was pointing to me, like the world was showing me like, Halima, there's a problem here. Like these things are happening for a reason. But I used to run away from my problems a lot. You know, it's that whole out of sight, out of mind um, perspective. So I thought if I don't think about it, if I don't talk about it, then it doesn't exist. So it it wasn't until I actually was in hospital after I was sectioned that I actually ended up realizing that there's actually something here that is bigger than what I've realized and I need to tackle this because essentially it was the first time in my life that I was actually alone with my own thoughts because when you're in a mental health unit you're in a room on your own and yes you can have your phone but you can't have your charger because of the health risks so when your phone dies you have to give it to them to charge so I would sit there on my own with nothing around me but four walls and I had no choice but to think. And when I was thinking and all these things were coming up to the surface, after a few days um, when my emotions had died down, then I realized, you know what, there's a reason why all of these things keep happening to me. Yeah. And I really like, I, I, it was there and then I knew exactly what I needed to do. And yeah. then it was just a matter of doing it. <laughs> 100%. And Hanima, once you went to the institutions in place, and I really just want to thank you for being vulnerable with us today and sharing with us your story, because I know it's not easy when someone goes through this to be open about it. And because there's a big stigma around going through mental health issues, people think, you know, once you go through these issues, you're kind of like sectioned out or, you know, you're, you're an outcast from society and, and people kind of view it as this, this big thing. But 
the truth is a lot of us go through it at one point or other in our lives. We go through a period where we face certain issues. I mean, no one is perfect, whether it's through because of our upbringing, because of our childhood, because of certain traumatic events or something happening in our life right now. We sometimes will go through issues where we need to take care of ourselves mentally to be able to be better. And yeah. there's a certain stigma around that, of course. So you mentioned that once you went to the institutions, you then realized this wasn't really working for you and you, you had to take charge and take some steps yourself to get better. Can you tell us, give us a little bit of a preview on what those steps looked like? What did you do exactly? So what I realized, which was the biggest breakthrough that I had was that the reason as to why I was where I was in that moment in time, it was mm. never about other people because my whole life I'd been blaming everybody else for my circumstances, right? You know, right. he did that, she did that, my friend did this, my family did that, this person did this. And you know, it's their fault that I'm like this. But when I re realized that actually, the reason why I am where I am today is solely because of me, it's not to do with anybody else. It's because I've allowed it to happen. And mm -hmm. that was when I realized that actually, the, the, the state that your life is in, is only like, you can only hold yourself accountable. Right. So when you take ownership of that, you take away the power from everybody else. Because when we blame people and external sources, we're giving everybody else the power to fix our problems because we're basically saying that they're the ones that caused it. When you take the power away from everybody else, you hold yourself accountable, then the only person that now has the power to fix things is you. So what I realized was that, okay, it's my fault. I'm responsible for this. Now I need to figure out the how, the why, the when, and all the, the little bits that will basically me unraveling my whole life and figuring things out. And I realized that the re like nothing in my life, nothing bad that happened in my life would have happened if I'd loved myself better, if I'd cared about myself more, if I valued myself more, and if I knew who I was. So instead of, you know, doing what people think and you're know, talking about all of your issues and things like that, I decided to take a different approach and just focus on me. So when I disappeared from everybody and I just went into my own little isolation bubble, I, I spent the time just getting to know myself. So it was more or less just, you know, taking myself out, understanding myself, spending time by myself, journaling my thoughts. Like there were so many different like exercises that I trialed and um, just tested out to see how they worked. But what ended up happening was that I ended up really getting to know who I was, really understanding myself, like, because when we're surrounded by people, there's so many external opinions that interfere within like our thought processes, especially, you know, being Muslim, like our communities love to have opinions of everything, yeah, right? So of course. I needed to get away from that because it's not necessarily because the people around me are bad people. They just don't understand, you know, they're not clued yeah. on, they're not educated in that aspect. So they're doing and they're saying all the wrong things, even if they've got the right intention. So getting to know myself and being away from everybody else was the most important part of my recovery because in doing that I started to learn more about myself I started to love myself more appreciate myself more and when all of these things were happening then everything else just fell into place like right. all the other deep-rooted issues that I had developed like because I valued myself so much it was easier for me to deal with all of those things you know, and it yeah. was easier for me to set new boundaries so that all of the things that happened in my past never happened ever again. Um, but there, there's so much to it. But I think the main thing was definitely um, the self work that I did where I took the focus off everybody else and just put it directly on me. 100%. I think, honestly, there's there's two points that I'll bring up uh, in response to that. Number one is just that 
if you really boil it down, that's actually what Islam teaches us to do, which is, you know, there's so many things that we're told about and so many, uh, you know, hadiths that we have in regards to how, you know, focusing on other people or talking about other people or, you know, discussing other people's lives and, and what they're doing is actually a huge sin in Islam. But the whole core of Islam is to actually try to better yourself and try to be a better person. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's also a stigma about mental health in our society and in, in our community. And I think that also stems from that is that people are so focused on what others are doing and what they're up to instead of just focusing on how they can be a better person and help mm -hmm. themselves. And I think that's huge. And just the second point I want to bring up as well, Halimah, in response is what you said reminds me of when I first moved out of my parents' home. You see, I didn't actually take the traditional route of, you know, waiting to get married and then just going yeah. from your, living with your parents to living uh with with your spouse and so i had to go through a period where i was living on my own and i think when someone asked me what that was like and i and i did it for a few years my response is always this is that when you kind of go from a place where you're constantly surrounded right you with your family and your friends and your siblings and you kind of go live on your own you then have to go to these dark places within yourself right these places where you have to face your demons in a way because there's nothing out there to distract you. And for some people, that's really hard. That's really tough. And it can sometimes take them to a dark place. But if you make it out the other side and if you actually face these demons, you come out the other side with such a stronger conviction on who you are and what yeah. you want out of life and just, you know, what you deserve and what you're okay with and what you're not okay with in your life. And I think it's something that every person needs to do. And I think one of the reasons maybe why in the Muslim community, it's it's not brought up as much or people are not as aware is because people kind of go through this lifestyle where they're with family and then they're with their spouse. And so they never have time to be alone and really mm -hmm. reflect on themselves and who they are, right? It's just straight from yeah. all right, family to spouse. And there's no in-between where, you know, take some time alone to figure that out. So just you saying that really reminded me of that. And, and I wanted to just shout it out honestly it's such a good point because it's so true like we need that that time to just focus on who we are because essentially as well if you don't know who you are and you're not happy and comfortable being on your own when you do get married it's not going to be a healthy marriage anyway you yeah. know so that's why even for me like i lived um in a totally different city from my family for like the past five years in fact i only moved back with my family like this year um wow. just before the corona lockdown happened so for mm -hmm. me it was like I've gotten to know who I am. So I know, obviously, if I end up now, when I go and when I get married, when I have my own family, like it's just going to be a, such a healthy unit because of the work that I've done on myself. And I know yeah. that I won't ever be interested in somebody who hasn't also done the same thing as well, because I now value the work that I've done and who I am, which of I didn't before. And you realize that when you become, when you come out the other side and you kind of figure that out, you realize you can tell right away if that person has done that same work or not. You, you, you kind of feel it right away. So I, I completely relate. <laughs> of course, 100%. So one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and I just, I'm loving the conversation right now because we're hitting so many amazing points. Uh, it's, you know, we talked about mental health. We talked about it in the Muslim community a bit, and we'll touch upon that again later. But I want to bring it also back to entrepreneurship. You know, as entrepreneurs, mm -hmm we a lot of times feel like we have to power through our difficult emotions. You know, we wake up and we're very kind of go, go, go kind of people, right? Like, let's take action. Let's make sure we're getting our tasks done on time. Let's make sure we hit our goals. We hit our KPIs. And we sometimes tend to put our mindset and our emotions and our mental health on the back burner, right? If we're having a bad day, we'll, we'll just tell ourselves, let's, let's just power through it. But the consequences of that long term is that we start to not perform at our best. We start to really 
not show up at our best and not do our best work. So I guess my question for you, Hadima, is as entrepreneurs, when what would be a good way to distinguish between is it just a bad day or is there something that we maybe need to take care of? What's a, what's a warning sign that we can look out for? Do you know what I always say to everybody that we have everything that we need inside of us. Mm -hmm. It's like we often like search for answers elsewhere, but to get the answer, the real answers, you just need to look into yourself. You just need to listen to your body. Your body's always speaking to you, right? Yeah. And from experience, I know because I tried to build businesses when I had my, like when I was going through my severe mental health issues and um, when I was, you know, homeless, when I had severe anxiety, like I was still trying to build businesses. I was ignoring the problems that were going on. And I was like, no, I need to be successful. I need to make loads of money. I need to do this. I need to do yeah. this. And I was just focusing on that. But when you're not dealing with the issues, when the most important part of your body, your mind is not working, like you cannot build a successful business. Like it won't happen. Like I've been there, I've tried. It's mm -hmm. like it's like somebody breaking their leg and then telling them to walk it off. Right. Like it's not gonna happen. They need to stop, they need to pause, they need to rest and recover. And it's the same way that if you have issues that need to be dealt with, even if your issues aren't severe, you know, and you have like minor anxiety that just crops up now and again or something like that, you still need to listen to it. You still need to learn it, understand it, find out, like, sit with your thoughts and find out exactly where it's coming from, where it's stemming from. There's something going on that has triggered that in you. And instead of ignoring it and then letting it get worse in the long run, if you sit down and you take a moment and pause and tackle that issue, then it won't happen again, you know? For, okay, you might lose one day of business, but that one day of business Losing that one day is mm -hmm. nothing compared to you potentially having a burnout and then being out for months. Because that's what happened to me. My doctor said, you can't do any work for the foreseeable future. I didn't even have a timeline, you know? Yeah. So for me, like, learn from my mistake. Like, don't, don't, don't have that feeling and ignore it. And then watch your life come crashing down six months, a year, two years later. Like, as soon the second you detect that something's not right, Figure out what it is. If you can't do it on your own, there's so many people out there, like professionals that will be able to guide you in the right direction and give you the support that you need. Like you're never on your own with this. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with that. And what you mentioned is really something that resonates with me deeply. And it's that the, your rest and the time that you take off is part of your workday and part of your business. Because just like in training and uh, exercise, rest days are just as important as days where you're active and you're working out because you need that time for your muscle to grow. And I think we sometimes treat our muscles like that, but we don't treat our mind like that, where, you know, just like your muscles, your mind as well, it needs a little break. It needs to be taken yeah. care of. It needs a bit of loving, right? So make sure that you do take the time to do that as well and listen to your body and listen to your mind as well. So I definitely agree with that. Now, Hanima, what's something that, you know, I'm actually someone, and I'll be completely honest, I'll be vulnerable with you too. I'm someone who suffered from anxiety before mm -hmm. and it took me a while to kind of get over it. And part of me kind of living on my own, that was also part of the process. So it's interesting that you kind of went through the same thing. So I can really figure those, these things out for myself. Now, what, what's something that you can recommend for someone like myself who kind of feels anxious at times? You mentioned that you dove into writing as mm -hmm. one of the things that really helped you move past it. What's another tip as well that you can maybe give to the listeners today? Because I want to make sure that we're giving them as much value as possible. Yeah, of course. Um, from Well, I'll, I'll bounce it off from my own experiences. Sure. One of the things that I did when I was, you know, learning healthy coping mechanisms was I looked into my childhood and I started to think about the things that I loved to do as a kid that I don't do anymore. 
it's the whole concept of connecting with your inner child because as children you know we don't care about anybody's opinion you know we just do whatever makes us feel good and it's Mm -hmm. something that I feel as adults we've lost um, and we care too much about everything that everybody else's expectations and we're less bothered about the things that we actually want to do the things that make us happy so I was a really creative kid you know I loved to draw I loved to write I loved to like sing and dance anything that was expressive I just loved to do it but you know just for so many different factors I just lost it on the way and in doing that I lost a part of myself so when you lose that part of yourself that results in these things like anxiety and depression because you're not you're not living in authenticity like when you don't live like authentic to who you actually are there's no fulfillment there's always going to be something missing there's always going to be a void you know like sometimes people go there's something missing in my life but I don't know what it is like that's what it is like you're not living true to who you are so that's what I did is I looked further into that um, and that's why I started to write again you know that's why I started to to do all of these different things like you know draw a little bit here and there and just find new ways to express myself and in a creative way because that's when I'm at my best and that's when I'm at my happiest and for like for yourself or for anybody else, I would say, look at the things that you love to do as a kid and try and start picking back up on those things or try new hobbies. You know, there are so many things that we haven't even tried that we probably would really love if we actually gave it a shot. And it's 100%. just about it's about that aspect of things. It's not always just about, oh, um, I need to sit down and I need to like dive into my past and sit there and cry for five hours to feel better. Like, the, right. yeah, OK, healing like the ugly side of healing is very crucial as well but sometimes it's just something as small as the things that you do in your day-to-day life that makes you feel a certain way and when you change certain things like your habits or your hobbies or your interests or even like the people that you're around like it makes such a huge difference to like your general state of mind I didn't even do anything extreme to remove the serious anxiety that I used to experience I just learned a few healthy coping mechanisms. So if I did get that feeling of anxiety, I'd be able to talk myself through it. But I just changed my lifestyle. You know, I cut out so many people that I knew weren't good for my life. And I focused again on myself. I picked up different hobbies. I spend more time on my own now than I do with anybody else. And it's just, it's liberating, you know, like, and I'm at my happiest, I'm at my healthiest. And I'm always, always in just a state of calmness, like contentment because of those little things, you know? And that's huge, Halima, because honestly, it's something that I tell others as well. And we've kind of spoke about it on this podcast in a few previous episodes, which is the importance of having these hobbies and these things that you do on the side that kind of just bring you so much happiness inside of you and really help you reconnect with that inner child within. Because again, even as entrepreneurs, guys, if you're working on your business all day and you know, you're, you're out there and you're on the grind, you need to have something outside of these working hours mm-hmm. that just helps you recharge your battery. And having some sort of passion, some sort of hobby that you enjoy really helps fulfill that that need within you of fulf- uh, recharging that battery and, and really recharging your mind as well so that you can come in, come into work and be positive and have those, you know, those great ideas when it comes to your business. And one thing for me as well that I discovered recently, I the gyms in my area closed for COVID, right? Because of the quarantine and everything else. I feel your pain. <laughs> 100%. So I, I couldn't go anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, how do I exercise? I still yeah. love going to the weight room. So I'm like, all right, let me try something new. And I'm like, okay, let me just take up running. I mean, you just put your shoes on and you go out for a run. It's not too hard. And I realized that I actually love it. Like it's super nice to go out and go for a run and just, you know, be outside and smell the fresh air and break out a little bit of a sweat. So I realized this is something that I never tried before. And I thought I hated, but I 
ended up loving it. And so it just goes to show guys that, you know, there's so much that you can try things that you might even think that you would hate or that you wouldn't enjoy. But then next thing you know, you love it and it brings you so much energy. And now I really love to start my day uh, with a nice little run or even just end my day with a run so I can get tired and fall asleep properly. So just an amazing tip there that you gave to look at what things you can do that really bring you that happiness that really reconnect you with your inner child. And I think that's huge. So thank you for that. So my next question to you, Halima, is this is as Muslims, and this is going to be a sensitive one, and I'd love to hear your answer on that. As Muslims, we sometimes associate mental health issues with a lack of connection with God, right? With a lack of Iman. We sometimes tend to confound the two, and I think uh, unjustly. So what, I mean, I guess before we even answer that, in your journey that you went through yourself, was this something that you experienced? Did you feel like the connection was also part of it, or was it all of it? Was it some of it? How was that connection to God for you related to your issues or was it even related at all? I'm very curious to know. I don't think there's any relation whatsoever with your level of faith and the state of your mental health. Like some of the, the theories that I've heard from the Muslim community, like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's right. like, you know, they come up with these theories that, oh, you must be possessed or it's just because you don't pray enough and right. just little things like that. And I've been there, you know, and I've had those theories thrown at me as well. And at the time, being as unaware as I was, you know, sometimes you actually start to believe it. Like, you know, is that why I'm like this? Like, am I actually possessed? Has someone done black magic on me? Like, these are the things that come into your head. Right, right. Like, instantly black magic for everything, pretty much. Um, I need to really... Sorry, I think there was a connection issue. Just No worries. Yeah. I think we're going to... Um, we're going to get you back. Okay, because I can see a black square where my face should be. But no, I'll keep talking anyway. Um, Go yeah, for it. I think it'll come it back soon. Like, um, when it comes to like your your faith, like I said, there's no there's no correlation. Like your mental health illnesses have nothing to do with your level of faith because mental health illnesses are a result of environmental factors. Like you could be the most committed Muslim in the world. Um, right. But then you suffer from some kind of trauma and then develop a mental health illness. Like it doesn't make you a weak Muslim like at all, you know. Um, I think there's a there's a there's an uh, an ayah in the Quran as well in Surah An Nisa. I actually wrote this down so I didn't forget. I really wanted to touch on this, but it says that um, verse fifty nine. It says, "Oh, you who believe, obey Allah and obey the Messenger and those of you who are in authority." Right. And the right. way that I look at that is authority refers to people of knowledge, like your doctors, your therapists people that know better than you in certain circumstances. So when you are experiencing a mental health issue of any kind, like you should be going, it's, it's something that needs to be taken seriously and you should be going to people to, to make it better, to find out solutions, you know. Um, just praying doesn't make, it, doesn't make it better. It doesn't fix the problem. Prayer, yes, okay, it's compulsory in our religion, but prayer doesn't fix your illnesses like you actually have to do the work in order to fix them and especially when you suffer from like depression or anything of that of that kind you suffer from a lot of energy fluctuations me personally i suffered from a lot of energy fluctuations when i was depressed and it was really hard for me to get up and pray like i, I physically couldn't do it so right. for me it was um not being able to like having people say to me oh you just need to pray it's really hard to hear that because people just think you're not doing enough but right. in reality, when I started to deal with my mental health problems and I started to get better and I started to get healthier, then it, praying was something that just became easier because mm. I was happier. And actually, 
taking time out to just focus on my recovery and the whole spirituality side of it actually brought me closer to align the long run. Yeah. You know, whereas my faith was weak before, but recovering brought me closer to Islam. Yeah, 100%. And I completely relate to that. And I think it's what you said, where when you're in a better state, then you can show up even better to your worship, to your prayers and to the things that you want to do connect with God. And sometimes we must address these issues separately. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, prayer does help. And of course, it really helps bring that sakina, that peace within. But sometimes the, the issue might not be an issue with connection with God, and it might be an issue with something else, such as uh, maybe, you know, something that you've been through in your childhood or a traumatic event or a traumatic experience in your life, and you want to make sense of it. So I think a huge thing is to try to, you know, address it while also trying to keep up as best as you can with being a good Muslim and practicing your faith. Uh, before we continue on to the next question, Halim, I'm just going to maybe I'll re-add re you on the live and we'll see if that works out for the camera. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do it. One sec. So we're just going to re-add Halima on the live right now. So this is the thing about doing these episodes live, guys. Um, sometimes we'll have a little bit of a technical issue. But while you're seeing me here, let me know in the comments, guys. How are you enjoying this episode? How are you enjoying this topic? Let me know if you're getting value. If you are, drop me a hashtag value. And as well, we're coming up to our Q&A portion very, very soon. Uh, so make sure that you drop your questions, inshallah, at the end for Halima to answer. And let me know, have you been getting value out of this episode so far? Have you been getting insights and gems? Because this is what I aim to do with this podcast. Let me know in the comments, guys. I'd love to hear your feedback and your opinions. Drop me a hashtag value. And let's do this. So we have some questions coming in. And inshallah, the guest is reconnecting in a second. Let me know, guys, because this is why we do what we do. And in terms of mental health, one reason why I wanted to bring it up is because, again, as entrepreneurs, we struggle a lot with these mental health issues, right? We struggle a lot with waking up and maybe facing anxiety or facing, you know, certain feelings where we kind of have to push through difficult emotions. And we, we want to drive forward. We want to continue being the best entrepreneur possible, the best business person possible. But sometimes we're, you know, we might feel a little bit of anxiety. We might feel a little bit of, you know, maybe sad or negative thoughts. And that might affect how we show up in our business and the level of ideas that we have in our business. So it's really important to take care of ourselves and take care of our mindset so that we can show up at our best, inshallah. And this is why I brought to you Halima, who's just absolutely crushing it today. All right, we're back. Let's go ahead and do this. All right, yes. awesome. Alhamdulillah, back at it. So good to go. Did you hear me fine? Yes, everything's perfect. Okay, cool. So apologies about that, guys. Thank you for sticking through with us. And again, drop a hashtag value if you're enjoying this. Make sure to drop your questions for our Q&A at the end so that we can answer all your questions, inshallah. And uh, just to kind of continue where we left off, Halima, we spoke about, you know, as Muslims is is mental or mental health issues associated as well with your level of faith. And a lot of people try to tend to confound the two. And that causes a lot of harm in the Muslim community because a lot of times someone could be praying their five prayers. They could be fasting when they need to. They could be praying all the sunnahs and they could be a great Muslim, but still face you know, depression or anxiety and not understand why they're facing those issues. And sometimes they might go up to an imam or a sheikh and they might ask them, hey, listen, I'm facing this. And they'll tell them, listen, you need to read these surahs and you need to pray. And, I'm, and that's great. And you definitely need to do that as well. But sometimes you might also need to see an expert within that field, right? Whether it's 
for your depression, for your anxiety, for your bipolar disorder, anything else that you may be experiencing. So it's really important that you take care of it as well and that you address it at an expert. Just like when you have a issue with your faith, with your spiritual connection, then you go to see an imam. If you have an issue with your mental health and your mindset, you need to go ahead and see an expert at that as well. So there's an expert for everything. And I think there is, um, there's this story, I don't know if you know about it, Halima, it's an amazing story that I heard before. Uh, it, there was a guy, I think it was like some sort of Bedouin or something. And I really don't remember the context of the story, but I want to share the story because it's awesome. There was this Bedouin uh, who was known for having a lot of Islamic knowledge, okay, in his city. And so a non-Muslim came up to him and wanted to challenge him. And he came up to him and he told him, listen, I heard that Islam has the answer for everything in the Quran, that there's the answer for everything in your holy book. So I want to know how many grams of wheat does it take to make a loaf of bread, right? And he asks a ridiculous question like this. And I want you to get me the answer from your Quran. And uh, the Bedouin, who had a lot of Islamic knowledge, said, sure, I'll give you the answer. Just give me a minute and follow me. So he, he tells the Muslim to follow him. And he basically heads to the local baker. And he goes to the baker and he asks him, hey, can you tell me how many grams of wheat are needed to bake a loaf of bread. And the baker gives the answer, and then the better one gives the answer to the non-Muslim. And then the guy says, hey, but I thought you were going to give me the answer from the Quran because it tells you the answer for everything. And the Bedouin tells him, well, the Quran tells us to ask the people of knowledge when we don't know. And so that's why the answer is in the Quran. And that's exactly, I think, the, the case for as well for mental health is that you want to ask yeah. people of knowledge when you don't have the answer and when you don't know. And so, guys, going to an expert is... Part, just as much part of Islam as going to an imam when you have an issue with your connection with God, with your spirituality. And I think that's just an interesting point to bring up. So I want to thank you for that, Halima. Let's... I really love that story. <laughs> yeah, I love that story too. And honestly, I'm going to take that from you. <laughs> definitely. And guys, honestly, I just want to let you know that I completely butchered it. It's like not exactly what it is, but I tried to give you the gist of it, guys. But the, it's a lot more beautiful when you actually read it word for word. I wish I remembered all of it. Um, you did so, good, <laughs> yeah, I it. so as long as you get the message behind it, that's what matters. So okay, we talked about that. There's a stigma regarding mental health issues in the Muslim community. But what can we do as well as Muslims? And, you know, we're bringing this up right now to bring more attention to it. And I noticed that a lot of other people as well are starting to bring more attention to it, which is awesome because it's a subject that's not, you know, very talked about or very discussed in our community. What's something that we can do just as normal, normal people, as entrepreneurs to help bring light to this as well, to maybe, you know, contribute to bringing some awareness to this topic? There is so much that is still yet to be done. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are talking about this more, um, but there's still so much that more that could be done. So right. in regards to education, education is the, like the most important thing. And there's not enough Muslim figures in the mental health sector than I feel like there needs to be because it's hard enough to experience a mental health issue like whoever you are. But as a Muslim, it just comes with a whole new set of complications to it. And I feel like you you need somebody that, that can understand you. You need somebody that can relate to you, that can understand your perspectives. And I find that especially as Muslims, because you know we live life a bit differently and there's so many people that probably won't understand why we live the way that we live or why we do things or say things that we do. But having more Muslim mental health figures that do understand that because they're exactly the same, they would be able, the support that you be you would be able to get would be so much more effective because right. sometimes it is a lot of things when it comes to like family or cultural stigmas or um, issues with your faith and things like that that impact your mental health and those are the things that need to be tackled. Um, it's not always just a big traumatic experience. 
sometimes it is those things that maybe only another Muslim would be able to understand or maybe someone that has the same ethnicity as you would be able to understand. So we need a more diverse uh, range of people that are in this sector as professionals to be able to give that support. Um, yeah. I think, the, again, like I said, the most important thing is the education. So um, one thing that I've noticed from like my own journey is that people especially in our communities are so resistant to change like when you try and teach them something they just don't want to know because they're so set in their ways and right. this was one of the things for me like when it comes to like family the elder mm -hmm. generations they just they don't want to hear it like they right. don't want to hear it the younger generations or maybe like the generation like my mum's generation some of them are open to learning you know with a bit of a push and some consistency but the elder generations it's a lot harder to tackle um but you have to try and be consistent with it. And even if you don't manage to change the opinions of like your grandparents or whoever, the more education you're providing, the more people you're informing, eventually it will get to that point where the new generations are gonna be the elder generations and the stigmas will slowly disappear and they won't exist anymore, you know? Um, I think this is something I was talking to somebody about as well. A lot of, I, I don't know about like, I know that a lot of Muslims do it like here. I don't know how it's like in other cultures around the world, but when something good happens everybody loves to talk about it you know this happened in my life my kid did this or this person did that and we've got great news when something bad happens they hide away um mm -hmm. and they shield it as if it's something to be ashamed of right. so like nobody in my family knew about my suicide attempts until i started talking about them on a public level and when wow. i did oh my god the backlash that i got like the first time I went on the news, it wasn't a good thing for my family, you know? It wasn't a well done, you've achieved something great. Yeah, it was of something to be ashamed of because I was speaking about subjects that are perceived as negative, you know? They couldn't understand that there was a positive reason as to why I would talk about something like that. Whereas from my perspective, it was, no, I'm doing this to help people. I'm doing this so that people can realize they're not alone, to increase the awareness. It's not about you. I'm not trying to make you look bad. I'm not trying to put myself in some kind of like light in public. Like I'm doing this to help people for a good yeah. reason. Um, and that is something that I really feel like families and communities need to start understanding more that talking about your problems, number one, the way to sort out your problem is by talking about it because the opposite of depression is expression. The reason why you suffer from depression is because you're not talking about things, you know? And just like you said earlier, um, there's so many people that are experiencing these things. I know like so many people um, in the Asian and the Muslim communities have now come out to me saying, you know, I experienced this or, you know, it's a generational thing. You know, I had it and then my mum had it and my grandmother had it and like it's coming down in the generations. And that, the reason why it's happening is because people aren't speaking about it. People aren't speaking about it. So these unhealthy um, traits and these unhealthy lifestyles are now being copied and pasted as the generations go down. And that's why a grandmother may have suffered from depression and then the granddaughter then suffers from it too because nothing's changing in the middle. So right. you need to, like these generational curses as they call them, like need to be tackled and they need to be dealt with so that these things can stop happening. And we need to be able to speak openly about our issues with our mental health and stop perceiving it as a bad thing because Alhamdulillah, now I've got to that point where I can walk into a family gathering and talk about these things and people don't give me that whole, oh my God, what the hell is she talking about? It's like, you know, like people understand now because I'm slowly, slowly breaking that barrier within my own family. And there's so many families out there that still need that. So the education is the most important thing by far.
hundred percent. And you mentioned as well, something really powerful that, uh, like talking about it is huge, right? Like to be able to talk about it. And when you can't talk about it, then that means you're keeping everything inside and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And as well, another point that you mentioned is that I really want to touch upon is breaking the cycle, because as you mentioned, it's kind of like, you know, the, the grandma has an, a certain issue and that she kind of transmits to her children. Then the children will transmit it to the children and it'll keep going unless someone actively realizes that, hey, there's there, maybe there's a problem here that needs to be addressed yeah. and actually breaks the cycle. And it's interesting because every time I don't know if you guys have watched like any of these like criminal series or, you know, any of these like TV shows and movies where they kind of show you the backstory on the bad guy. Yeah. And it's always this really heartbreaking story about how he was actually maybe abused as a child or, you know, it usually comes from the environment that you grew up when you grew mm-hmm. up in. And unless you're aware to break the cycle, then, you know, you're actually just kind of perpetrating this this negativity into the world that could in the end just bubble up and cause something very very bad as you know like these criminals and these things that that people that end up going crazy because they just have no outlet they don't know what do i do with this i have this problem no one's addressing it i can't talk about it with anyone and they just keep it inside and they end up just exploding so yeah. i think it's huge and i think it's so important it's a lot more important than we think to be able to talk about it to be able to bring it up and to be able to bring awareness to it so it's it's definitely a huge thing because there's actually lives at stake and just like you mentioned, and even in the comments, we have a lot of people commenting saying that, you know, I totally agree that, you know, I've had these feelings as well. I've had these thoughts as well. So it just goes to show that even within this community, even in entrepreneurs, even as Muslims, we go through these problems. We go through these issues. And it's so important to address it, guys. And it's so important to take care of it. Because, again, even if we were to just bring it back to what this group is about, guys, if you want to be at your best and if you want to perform at your best as an entrepreneur in life, in business, whoever you are, you need to make sure that you address these issues. And you make sure that you really take the time to figure these things out so that you can inshallah show up at your best and and really be the best person that you can be for yourself for your family and for the people around you and i think 100%. that's what that, that's what makes the world a better place you know so again you can't fill someone else's cup from an empty cup you got to fill your cup as well so Hanima, my question to you as entrepreneurs we can we sometimes feel like we're not reaching our goals a lot right like the people here they might feel like you know we have we set these goals for ourselves we set these these high bars for achievement we sometimes don't always reach them and that's completely okay but that's like that can sometimes affect our mindset it can sometimes you know cause us to feel like we're not worthy we're not good enough you know these feelings like maybe you know we end up not believing in ourselves and we end up losing confidence which is huge over time if these things just continue to stay within us so what are some tips that you can give us to stay positive in the face of challenges in the face of failure which is something that we experience on a daily basis as an entrepreneur, I mean, everything in life is about balance anyway, but as an entrepreneur, like you are going to go through guaranteed to happen, you know, like yeah. you will go through challenges, you're going to go through trials, you're going to have setbacks, like things yeah. will go wrong, just as well as things will go right. And yeah. um, the way that there's a there's a, a quote that I heard, and I literally like go by that, but it says that when you succeed at something, it brings you closer to your goal. But when you fail at something, it develops your character. And essentially, it's your character that then takes you to achieve the goals that you have set for yourself anyway, you know, so understanding and acknowledging that I will go through these setbacks, but they're not going to like a failure isn't a failure. Like, yeah. to me, there's no such thing as failing. There's always going to be um a lesson behind that and that lesson will shape you and make you a better person and you'll end up reaching your goals eventually you know and um, contentment and gratitude 
these are a couple of things I talk about in my ebook as well. But programming your mind to being in that state of gratitude so that when you do face a hardship or, you know, a setback, you'll be okay regardless. Because for me, I live in like this state of contentment where no matter what happens, like I'm fine. You know, like I might not achieve something I wanted to, but it's okay. I'm fine because there's a reason behind it. And I'm not going to fight that reason. If it was yeah. meant to be, it would have happened there and then. Um, so when you retrain your mind to, you know, be grateful for everything, regardless of what's going on, it becomes your default state. So if something goes wrong, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. It happened. Never mind. Just keep yeah. going, you know. Um, yeah. Having big goals is great. We should all have big goals. We should always want to achieve more in life. Um, but mastering that art of contentment and gratitude um, will enable you to just be okay no matter what. Um, like I said, it's all about balance. You know, you're never going to know how it feels like to be successful if you don't know what it's like to have, to have a failure. You're never going to know what it's like to be happy unless you've experienced sadness. It's just about learning how to manage those setbacks in a healthy way so that those stay only become moments. They don't become days, weeks, months, or even years. 100%. And, and that's exactly what I what I also tell my students as well is that it's important to really realize that every single oh, thing that happens to you. I think something happened with the sound. Uh, no worries. Let me make sure that we're still up. All right. Can you hear me now? Still can't hear you. So, all right, let me re-add you into the... I'm uh, trying to lip read, so I can understand you're asking <laughs> me whether I can hear you, but I can't hear you. All right, let, let, let me... Can hear me. Yeah, let me re-add. Let me re-add. Yeah, let me re-add. So... All right, can you hear me now? Oh, okay, I can hear you. I still can't see myself, but can you see me? I can't see you, unfortunately, but uh, if you want, you can rejoin. What we'll do is uh, now we'll actually dive into the audience Q&A portion, inshallah. So if you'd like, you can rejoin and I'll, I'll gather the questions up. Yeah, uh, awesome, awesome, go for it. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, inshallah. I, there's a lot of comments coming in. A lot of you guys are uh, saying how much you relate to what Halima is saying and to all the stories that she's sharing with us today. And honestly, I think we brought up so many important topics, so many things that need to be discussed and addressed within our community as entrepreneurs, as Muslims, inshallah. So right now, me and Halima are going to take all of your questions and we're going to answer them. And we're going to make sure that we give you the best answers possible. So go ahead and drop your questions in the comment section, inshallah, and we'll make sure to go ahead and answer them. So drop all your questions in for our Q&A with myself and Halima. All right, so we got you on audio, but it looks like video is not working. If not, all good. We'll just go ahead and answer the questions audio only if that's cool with you. Let me know. Um, I don't mind. I mean, yeah, I can't right. see it either. I guess all we're right, just cool. Someone's trying to stop us from, from doing this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what happens when you're trying to make breakthroughs happen. <laughs> 100%. All right, cool. So we'll go ahead and answer them, guys. So the black box, Halima is there. She's listening. Unfortunately, we're having an issue with video, but um, we'll just go ahead and answer all your questions, inshallah, for our Q&A portion. I wish that we had video, but unfortunately, I hope that you still stick with us for the Q&A, guys. So we'll go ahead and dive into some questions that we have here from the audience. Let's dive with one that we have here from Sister Aska Dini. So she says that what are the requirements you need to have to start a professional uh, coaching business where she wants to, and she mentioned that before, which is a really interesting business idea. She wants to start a business where she's coaching young people, young, young adults or even teenagers on how to write for healing, to write so that they can heal in terms of mental health. So to actually write as a method of therapy she said you have to be certified 
uh, do you need any requirements or can you just go ahead and kind of start something like this? What are the requirements for doing a business like that? Um, it's funny that that question would be asked because I, I literally had this moment myself where sure. I was going through my like my business and I was getting so many messages from people that were asking me if I did like coaching sessions or therapy sessions and I paused because it freaked me out a bit because I thought oh my god like I don't have the qualifications to do this oh I don't want to mess up like this is somebody's life I need to take it seriously and I bought like 10 different courses and right. I started like and I started to study all of these different things um, so that I would be well equipped to doing it. And then I went to, recently, I went to visit a few friends and we were talking about things that we were working on. And I mentioned the fact that I was studying more and um, before I delved into the one-to-one -one coaching. And one of the friends that was there said to me, like, you don't need to do that. Um, like you're smart enough and you, you understand everything that you're doing, which is why you are where you are right now. Like you have the capability to help people. And if you try and learn somebody else's syllabus, you're gonna be teaching somebody else's psychology instead of your own. And when, like, when that was said to me, it literally stopped, like I paused and I had to take a moment because it's true. Like, okay, of course I get it. You know, like I wanted to take it seriously because you know, yeah. mental health is people's lives in my hands. Um, and fair enough, always educate yourself and always grow, but don't use it as a reason not to do it. Like yeah. if you've like, we've got, like I said before, we have everything that we need inside of us. We've got the truth there, we've got the answers. So if there's something that you really, really wanna do, you have the passion for it. And deep down, you know that you have the knowledge to do it as well, then do it. Don't wait to get a qualification to do it. Do the qualification if you want to, if it makes you feel better, it makes you feel more secure about it but don't use that as a, not having it as a reason to, to hold off. 100%. And I think that's really the biggest thing. And it's something we always recommend as well. And it's to take the first step and take action. As you grow and as you work towards this goal, make sure that you're constantly trying to be the best person that you can be within this goal, guys. So make sure that you're always trying to you know learn more about your topic of expertise to become a professional in this topic and to also make sure that you are gathering as much experience as possible working with people inshallah and working with your clients or people that you just want to collaborate with so you can get into the industry in advance and get some knowledge there get some experience there so i love that answer from you Hanima. thank you um we'll take another one if, if that's okay with you yeah of course Awesome. So we have another one here. And again, so we have Halima on audio. We don't have video right now. It's not working, guys, but we can all hear her fine. So we'll continue, inshallah. So we have another user here, and it says, I'm a parenting coach for Muslim moms, and I also deliver programs in school and online. Wait, what's the question? I'm loving this connection. Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry. So that's actually a statement. <laughs> so let me go ahead and pull up <laughs> itself. Uh, we have so many comments coming in, mashallah. Oh, we got another one here. I think I have you on video. Should I, I yeah, add you? I was trying to figure it out for my laptop. Hopefully I can come in. The camera's not as good, but it works either All right. way. Awesome. Right. We're back awesome. with Anima. We're back with Anima. If you can just put in uh, maybe... Can you hear me? Because I'm keeping my phone. The device I've already been on um, for the audio, and I'm just using my awesome. laptop the way so that you can still see me at the same time. Okay, so we'll do it that way. Then we'll have the, the third black square be the uh, be be essentially yeah. the, uh, uh, the 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 for the audio. That's better. All right, guys. So we have another question here, inshallah. And drop your questions for myself and Halima in regards to mental health. 
uh, and we're doing our best to be able to kind of make sure that this keeps rolling despite the technical issues. Uh, so we have another question here, and this is a really good one. And it says, it's not related to business, but the question is, how do you encourage dialogue within a family who don't speak a lot about their problems? So we talked about that. That's an issue, right? People that aren't open about these issues, about these problems. And, you know, there's that stigma around bringing it up. How do you encourage dialogue within a family like that? What would be any tips that you can maybe give this person? You have to go through the uncomfortable in order to have that breakthrough. So I've, again, you know, I've been there and I've done that and I've come from a family unit where talking about these things is very, very weird. It's not normal. So right. at the beginning, when I came out with it, you know, and I said that these are the things that I'm going through and I started talking about mental health and I started being open, it wasn't received well. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't given the, the feedback that I necessarily would have wanted. Um, but it's something I had to push through regardless. I had to go through a temporary feeling of not caring about the opinions of other people. Um, and in the, in turn, now, like two, two years later, I'm in a place where I can openly speak about those these things to my family because I worked through the uncomfortable phase. So if you're not too sure how to do it, there's no magic formula. You just have to do it. Just talk about it. Deal with the responses that you get. If they're not great responses, find, you know, people that you can speak to and that, you know, can help you feel better because you might, you know, not feel great afterwards. You might not be happy with certain things that your family say to you. So have good people around you, friends and, you know, associates that you can talk to that can give you support, emotional support. But don't quit. Don't stop talking about these things, because if I had stopped talking about these things, then I wouldn't be in the great situation that I'm in right now. I had to keep pushing and I had to stay consistent at talking about these uncomfortable things until one day it just became like, okay. 100%. I completely agree. And honestly, uh, like Halima said, it's it's really about just bringing it up, right? Like if you if you start the conversation, there is going to be some form of backlash. You, you, you just really can't. You, you can't change that. You can't stop it. But the, the the goal behind that, or I guess really the process behind that is to make sure that you also kind of approach it from a place of empathy and understand that it might be something that hasn't been opened before uh, within this family. It might, be, it might not be something that really was discussed before and to understand that there might be some sort of pushback, but being okay with navigating that pushback and, and to make these people understand and taking the time to make them understand instead of reacting where you know maybe we get angry that they're not getting it and we get we get frustrated that they're not relating to us uh we can instead you know make make sure that we we relate that listen maybe this is something new to them and th this is not something that they've experienced before they don't know how to address it so let's go ahead and make sure that we you know approach it kindly really <laughs> approach it slowly and approach it kindly but make sure that we do approach it and we don't ignore it what do you think about that Harima? Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. It's um, it's always the way that you do things as well. Like for me, I didn't go all guns in blazing, you know, create a big <laughs> storm, essentially. It was like, for example, when it came to like my grandmother, I would go and talk to her when she was on her own. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, doing it around people might trigger something in her that might not necessarily have been good for her for me for the situation so whenever i used to talk to her about my work i used to go and see her on my own and um, when i like first came out with my website i went to see her on my own and i actually talked her through the website any event that i've spoken at when i released my ebook when i wanted to show her any of these things i went on my own and i showed her on my own and i talked her through it and explained to her because it's not like 
it's not like she was unhappy because you know she doesn't want me to be happy it's because she just didn't understand you know and that is basically that's basically where the, the whole families not being able to communicate come from because they just don't understand so when we take the time to educate our families and you know enlighten them it just makes all the difference so now like with my grandmother like she's proud of me for the work that I do when I came out with my ebook she was really really happy with it you know my mum was probably the person that shared it with the most people out of everybody when you know two years ago that would have never have been the case because I took the time to explain to them I took the time to teach them to help them understand um, me who I am why I'm doing the things I'm doing what it means to me and they're not going to understand at the beginning but the more you explain it to them and the more you stay consistent within your purpose and what you're doing and um, they'll come around eventually it might take longer than it might take longer than you want it to um, but it will happen you inshallah definitely and and also embrace the uh you know the uh the attitude of the prophet sallallahu which is you know again when he came to the disbelievers and he was talking about islam you know they would they didn't just go out of out of the blue and be like yeah we agree you know they, there was a lot of pushback but he took his time to still be kind to them, to understand them, and to make sure that he he did his best to give them the best of example and to be patient with them. And I think that's something kind of the prophetic um, character that we can we can embrace as well in this situation, inshallah. So we'll we'll take another one if that's cool with you, Harima. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So we have a question from Riz and one from Frey. We'll do the one from Riz first, uh, which is, what are your views on toxic positivity? A term that gets thrown around a lot. So that's that's an interesting term. What are your views on that? Let's get your opinion. Yeah, I know about toxic positivity. <laughs> it's just the notion of like, oh, you just have to feel good. And that's how you get through everything. And okay, yeah, you know, it's good to to be positive it's good to have that mentality of everything's going to be okay like i talk about affirmations all the time like there's a whole chapter in my ebook dedicated to affirmations and gratitude and positive thinking so it's something that's 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 needed but i and when the whole toxic positivity comes into it is when people think that just thinking positive is how you make your problems better that's not the case um think positive but you have to do the work as well right mm -hmm. Positivity is something that's temporary. It's like, you know, if you have a bad day, you can just feel, let yourself feel good and then get over it. But if you have issues that need to be dealt with, then just feeling good for a little while is not going to help that. You need to sit down. You need to take a moment to learn about yourself. Like I was talking about the healing work, like the dark side of things, you know, the ugly side of the recovery. Um, and sometimes you just need to sit there and acknowledge that you're going through something negative. Like if you're experiencing a negative emotion, it's like I said, don't like I stopped running away from it. Sit down and actually acknowledge how you're feeling. So if I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling upset about something, I'll sit there and I'll say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I acknowledge that I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling scared or, you know, I'm frustrated. And it's okay for me to feel this way. I allow myself to feel the emotions that are going through my body, but then I talk myself through it. So, okay, this is how I'm feeling at the moment. I accept it. It's okay. But it's just a temporary feeling that's not going to last forever. And as I talk myself through it, eventually the feelings pass, but I don't resist it. If you feel it, let yourself feel it. 100%. And 
we as well have and i mean we have so many amazing amazing things so we're gonna roll through them a little bit quickly guys um because uh, mashallah i mean like we've never had that many questions on an episode so despite the technical difficulties it looks like things are definitely popping here so let's go ahead and give you another one harima because a lot of people are excited to ask you questions and get your opinion on this so we might have to do a part two when the camera's working properly 100 percent, guys but for now i'll help harima because she's answering the questions so i have another one here it's from juman and she says that i'm a refugee lawyer and the stories of rape and torture that I hear or read on a daily basis are worse than any Hollywood movie. I get moments when I fall into despair and hopelessness about the world and humanity in general. How do I avoid that and remain with a positive mindset so I can have the energy to continue helping my, my clients and for my own mental health as well? So this is, uh, she's a refugee lawyer and she really hears some horrifying stories and it sometimes causes her to feel a bit hopeless and, and, and really fall into despair. How can she stay positive and remain positive to help her clients? look after yourself first like especially in the type of work that it is that you're doing you can't just live for everybody else because it's going to take its toll on you you're gonna get ill like you will you'll you'll get to a point where you're just gonna shut down and obviously you don't want to do that because clearly by the sounds of it the work that you're doing is very very important so you need to have um time dedicated to yourself looking after yourself, like we are saying, filling your own cup. Um, if you need to get, I would suggest getting therapy as well. Like you don't have to, you know, be going through severe issues in order to have therapy. And um, you can just go and have somebody to talk to that can help you manage the emotions that you're experiencing as a result of your work. Like you can't be good to anybody else unless you're good to yourself first. So if your career is something that's so emotionally demanding such as that, then I would definitely suggest taking time out to, to focus on yourself, taking time out to look after yourself, even if it's for one hour per day where you just go off on your own, um, you know, whether it's doing some meditation, whether it's writing your feelings, whether it's like any other form of self-love exercise, but definitely, definitely have an outlet for yourself, such as therapy or somebody to speak to um, that can help you process your emotions in a healthy way because coping mechanisms are the difference between being healthy and then falling into a really, really dark place and you don't want to end up there. And it's something that can happen if you don't take the right avenues. 100%. I completely agree with that, Hadiman. I think when you work in these situations where you have, you know, you work with people that might struggle as well and that might go through their own issues as well, it can sometimes as well you know, have that same effect on you because you, especially if you're an empath or you're someone that relates to others, then you're going to have, you know, feelings where you can understand what they're going through. And that's in turn going to cause you to go through those same feelings as well. And it can hurt your mindset and hurt your ability to show up at your best for your clients. So I completely agree to make sure that you take care of yourself and take care and nurture your mental health as well. So we got so many more actually <laughs> we'll we'll try to take two more inshallah guys. So uh, we have a lot more, but we'll take two more inshallah. And then uh, for all the rest of the questions, what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to have to bring Harima back on on this podcast because we've had uh, issues now. And so it's just an amazing excuse to bring her back on. Um, I'm happy with that excuse. <laughs> 100%. And we'll make sure that we don't have any technical issues next time, inshallah. So uh, we got one, two more actually that, I'll, that we'll go through. One that I really wanted to address. Let me see if I can pull it up here. It was close. Let's see. Um, this was a really, really good one. I just want to make sure. Okay, there it is. So... Uh, this person says it's a very important topic. I generally know someone who's going through poor mental health and anxiety, but refuses to get support, i.e. meds, therapy, etc. What advice would you give on this? I think that's a very pertinent question, a very important question. 
it's it's tricky because the response that I have isn't necessarily the, the response that you probably want to hear, but you cannot help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And it's sad because sometimes obviously you can see something that that person can't. You obviously know that they're going through um, certain issues and you know how you can help them. But if, they, if they're not accepting of it and they don't want to receive what you have to offer, then there's nothing that you can do because mm-hmm. you can give them everything. You can give them all the platforms, all the solutions. But if they don't want to get better, they're not going to listen. They're not going to take anything into account. And, you know, like, again, I've, I've been there, you know, like I've been in those situations where I've tried to help people and I've tried to, you know, push them into getting therapy or, you know, doing something to help them feel better, even making doctor's appointments for them. And what they'd end up doing was they'd end up not going to the doctor's appointments. They'd end up lying to me and they'd end up like um, going against all the things that I'm offering to them because they just weren't ready to get better. And in turn, by me putting so much energy into trying to make that happen, I was I was getting ill myself because I was putting all this energy into trying to help somebody that didn't want to be helped. And sometimes you have to realize that, okay, I'm not getting anywhere here. And maybe I just need to take a step back. Hopefully the day will come where, you know, the person, the individual does realize that, okay, something's going on and I need to to fix it. But you can't lose yourself in the process of trying to help somebody else. It just, it doesn't work. Like it just, it never works. 100%. I completely agree, guys. And I've tried it myself as well. I think every person that's tried that can attest to the fact that you can't help someone until they want to help themselves. You, you just can't help someone until they want to help themselves. So make sure that, you know, you can try to give as much advice as possible. You can try to guide, but you can't force someone to take action if they don't want to. It has to come from them. So that's a very wise answer. And sometimes it's important to know what what battles you can win and what battles you just can't. And you have to do your best to understand. You know, And there's um, uh, kind of that, that famous uh, prayer, which is, forget the exact wording, which is to ask God to grant you the wisdom to know the difference between, you know, the things that you can change and the things that you can't. And I think that's a very important thing to do. Uh, we'll take one very last question, inshallah, and then we'll, we'll we'll close off there, guys. I know there's a lot more, so we'll make sure to bring Hanima back on this podcast uh, because the response was absolutely amazing. Uh, so this last one here is, what's the best advice you can give to a person who's around someone with mental health issues? So someone that's maybe around someone else that's experiencing these issues and they might be affected by that. Learn about it. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing because mental health is very complex. The most important thing that you can do is learn. Like go on, like take go out of your way, go online, read books, learn about the actual issue itself, um, so that you're clued up on things and there's things that you can look out for. And um, but try and talk to them. Like obviously, I know it's not easy. Some people are reluctant to opening up, but try to understand things from their perspective and don't listen to respond. Just listen to understand. Just ask them, how do you feel? like on a day-to-day basis, or if you see them going through something in the moment, just ask them, how do you feel? Like, don't interrogate them, or why do you think you feel that way? Like, don't make it into a therapy session. Just ask them how they feel and take in the information so you can understand um, a bit better. When you educate yourself and you become aware of their feelings and their emotions, you can support them in a better way. So for example, you know, if they've got certain, like, let's just say OCD, for example, if they're having a moment um, where they're having intrusive thoughts and they're trying to deal with it, instead of you getting frustrated because you are now, because you understand it, you just give them the space to do what they're doing. Or if someone's suffering from depression and they just need to be on their own um, and they're locked up in their room, check up on them, ask them if they're okay. But if they're snappy or they don't want anything from you, give them the space 
education is the most important thing is like I've said throughout educate yourself so that you understand when you understand something you can then support someone in a better way you don't have to have the answers you don't have to be you know a therapist or a psychologist and come at them with all these different tips and tricks but understanding it so that you can support them better is just the most important thing when it comes to friends and family 100 percent. i completely agree with that and i think it's huge because when you understand you know the things that they go through and maybe the issues that they're facing it'll help you be more empathetic as well understand when you need to take a step back and when you need to kind of intervene so i think that's really the best answer that, that we can give so thank you for that hanima so hanima we've answered a lot of questions we've gone through a lot of topics today and we've addressed so many amazing things and, and we brought up so many different discussions that you know talking about muslims and talking about the entrepreneur community and how mental health affects both and how we need to perform at our best and how we can take care of ourselves and our mental health we brought up so many amazing discussions so guys we'll make sure to bring Hadima back on inshallah for another episode but for now Hadima, how can people connect with you because a lot of people just loved absolutely what you've shared with us today and they they love to hear about your journey and your insights so how can people connect with you support your work and just you know stay connected with everything that you're doing Okay, so um, my website is halimaspeaks.com. Halima, my Halima is spelled H-A-L-E-E-M-A. There's no I or anything in the middle there to clarify. Uh, my Instagram is probably what I'm most active on. And uh, it's halima.speaks. Obviously, my Facebook is Halima Amina. Those are the three avenues that I'm most active on when it comes to my work. Um, and if any of those that are interested also in the ebook that I came out with, it's a free ebook. It's called 12 Steps to Gaining Control of Your Mental Health. Um, maybe we can just link it in here. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So you can also get it directly from my website anyway. Uh, and that, you know, inshallah, that will help. I've had some great responses from people in regards to like the steps that they've read and that they've implemented into their lives. So hopefully it will help some of you at the same time as well. Inshallah, definitely. So Hanima, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on this podcast, for sharing your insights with everyone here, and just for bringing up all of these discussions today. I think this is one of the most powerful episodes we've ever filmed on the podcast. The response was absolutely insane. And just people coming in with all their questions. I've never had that before. So it was just absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And yeah, we look forward. I'm, I'm grateful to be on here. So thank you. hundred percent. We'll make sure to bring you on again, inshallah, guys. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, all the platforms. Check out Halima's website. Download her ebook. We'll link to it in the description on whatever platform you are, inshallah. And join us on the next episode every Tuesday live inside of our Facebook group. We'll see you guys. Assalamu alaikum.